Welcome to the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast, a free resource for gymnast parents and coaches to learn to fuel the gymnast for optimal performance and longevity in the sport. I'm your host, Christina Anderson, and I'm a pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist, a former gymnast, a current nationally rated gymnastics judge, and a wife plus dog mom. I help gymnasts and their parents learn to fuel without the stress or overwhelm so that they can reach their big goals and dreams both in and out of the sport. We want to help parents take a proactive approach to nutrition, and to do so, this podcast is all about hashtag real talk, where we tackle tough subjects about nutrition, body image, and more in the sport of gymnastics. All right, let's dive in. You are listening to episode 29 of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast. Hello and welcome back. Um, today, we have an extra special guest with us Um the renowned gymnastics recruiting expert, Mrs. Jill Hicks. Um, and before I introduce her, I, I want to give you a little bit of context of why is a sports dietitian, you know, bringing on a college recruiter to the podcast. And I have to say that we work with a ton of gymnasts who have goals of doing collegiate gymnastics. Some of them are already on the elite track and they know that that is a way that they can, can kind of get visible and can be their entrance into the collegiate world. Um, and then others are just really strong developmental program gymnasts who are biding their time. They've got smart coaches. They're pacing themselves. Um, and these parents learn from a young age that visibility and having a plan is key. So um, in my mind, there are you know several ways that we can help gymnasts reach their collegiate goals. And nutrition um, is one of them for sure. You know, it takes a team to support um, these gymnasts with reaching their big goals and dreams. And specifically for myself, you know, I view my role as helping them get the fuel that they need to stay healthy, to, you know, repair day in, day out. Um, that then allows them to stay visible, right? Like if you are injured and on the sidelines, it's hard to, you know, post your skills on Instagram. You may be missing, you know, regionals or nationals or big competitions where college coaches are, you know, recruiting and scouting, um, and then the last part is, is optimizing performance nutrition. You know, even the gymnasts that we work with who um, they do commit to their, their schools, maybe junior year, a lot of them are tired. They're tired, they're burnt out, and they have to do gymnastics for six more years. And I view my role as helping them to feel as good as possible in their bodies so that they can enjoy the sport and enjoy um, what they've worked so hard for. And the other thing I would add to this, you know, coming from a, a judge's perspective, and for those of you who don't know, um, I've been judging for over 14 years now. This past summer, I um, took my final exam and have my national rating, which is super exciting. But for me, kind of wearing both hats as a dietitian and a judge, you know, I can see where proper fueling plays a huge role in, you know, the amplitude of your skills, your execution, the body tightness, your power, your explosiveness, your endurance. Um, and those are all things that coaches are looking for and that gymnasts can use to separate themselves from the competition. So with that, I am super pumped to introduce you to Jill Hicks. She is the founder of JH Consulting, where she has a team of five advisors who work with um, gymnasts, you know, acro tumbling athletes, swimmers, cheerleaders, um, other athletes who are looking to <clears throat> secure a college scholarship. And that could be um, D1, D2, D3. Jill was a former elite gymnast, so she's walked the walk. She knows what you guys are going through. She competed collegiately at Oregon State University. And then for years, she coached 
um, at her alma mater at Oregon State and also coached at California State Fullerton. So with that, Jill, I'm so happy that you're here. And if you have anything to add, um, please share with us. And we can also dive into um, some really hot topic questions that I can't wait to hear your answers to. Well, thank you, Christina. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> Seems so long ago, but um, all those different seasons of my life, I think is what's really proven to be my passion for helping athletes find their way through the recruiting process. And I absolutely loved being a club coach, a college coach, and a gymnast. Um, But as we all know, there's uh, ups and downs. And one of those areas uh, definitely comes from fueling and nutrition, no question. So I'm really excited to be a part of this. And hopefully I can shed some light on any connection or help that might. Yeah, I I think it's such an important conversation because so many of the clients that find us when they're in the middle of their recruiting journey, um, they're already level 10s, they're already in high school. You know, you can look back at their history with gymnastics and the injuries, and there's a huge connection with just what I call unintentional underfueling, where even when they're young and they're prepubescent and you might look at them and their bodies and think, oh, they're fine, like everything's fine. They, they seem healthy. They're hitting their skills. Like they're not concerned about food or their bodies. Like why do we need nutrition? And yet we can look at, you know, how much they're taking in nutrition wise compared to how much they're expending with 20 to 30 plus hours a week. And they're, they're in a deficit. And unfortunately, um, it often takes a couple years for that unintentional underfueling to catch up with them. But that's when we see a lot of those Um, honestly, you know, career, either career ending or just career shifting injuries that will take a gymnast out for an entire season for half the season. And um, as you know, better than anyone, you know, there is a timeline when it comes to recruiting and staying visible. And um, obviously it's, you know, there are extenuating circumstances where, you know, I've had clients, you know, get injured and get recruited senior year, still to their dream school, like things still happen. But I think, um, you know, paying attention to at least the things you can control um, can give your gymnast the best shot at reaching their goals. But a lot of parents don't know what that is. So my first question for you is kind of in, in brief, share with us what the recruiting timeline looks like. I know that you guys say, um, you know, ninth grade or level nine, like that's when you need to start thinking about um, working with a college recruiter or start thinking about like what you're going to do. And obviously some clubs, you know, give gymnasts a lot of support. They have coaches who were former college athletes and they're passionate about helping them through the recruiting journey. And then other clubs just, they choose not to do that, which is fine. It just means that parents, um, they need to be scrappy and they need to kind of know what's out there. Cause there's just, there's just a lot. So tell us, you know, for the parent who's listening that has a gymnast with big goals and dreams, but you know, maybe there's not gymnasts at their club who've gone to college or it's just not something they've heard a lot about. What's your kind of baseline info that they need to be aware of? Yeah, so we like to start by level nine or ninth grade, but we don't have the girls reach out to college coaches at that time, usually. Okay. Um, Definitely, almost always, never. Um, So when parents think of the timeline, it's very different than what the true timeline needs to be. Okay. So there's there's a big gap of understanding. So most parents, and I don't 
I don't put them down for this, but they think when they get into high school, they need to send their information. The problem, or they are telling their kids to send their information. The problem with that is if you send it um, to those flashy schools because you're afraid you're going to be left out, so I call it FOMO, right? um, or missing out, is the problem with that is if you send it at that time and your skills don't match the school Mm. that you're sending to, they're going to put you in the no thank you pile, or they're going to put you in the, um, they're going to forget about who you are. So when having been a college coach for 20 years, I know what it's like to get 20 or 30 emails a day. And so when you receive them, you take less than two minutes to usually review. And if the right things are not listed on that email, or once they do look on Instagram or in a website for that athlete, if those don't match up with the school, then you don't really know what they're doing with your information. Because if you send it in ninth grade, they can't respond back. Right. So now you've sent all this information possibly to the wrong schools, but you're assuming that they're going to be interested, but they can't talk to you till after sophomore year. So it gets, then it just becomes really messy. So mm-hmm. what we do at JH Consulting is wait until the athlete is at the level of the school they desire. If we think, okay, they are going to have a shot at that. So they're very close. They might not be quite there yet, but they're very close. And their scores and their start values and their execution. And um, we look at all of that and then their potential and then decide on 10 schools they should target. So the timeline's different for everyone. There's not like a foolproof timeline. So back when I recruited for Oregon State, top 10 school, we were top four in the country. Um, we recruited in eighth grade. Okay. And you know, the, so it's completely changed when they bump that um, timeline of being able to talk to college coaches now after the sophomore year. So that helps everyone. Oh, yeah. So if you've sent your info out and you are now thinking, oh, I didn't think of it the way the college coaches think of it. Mm-hmm. I was just sending my stuff because I didn't want to be left out. Right. Um, you know, you can retract and start over and start sending to schools that are going to be in your wheelhouse. Or I want to put a big voice out there to just wait, be Mm -hmm. patient. So if you're a level nine in ninth grade, what we do is a whole lot of education and get the kids ready for when it's going to be time to send out. We know they're going to get to level 10, but we want to do it more when they're peaking Mm -hmm. than when they're just in high school. Yeah. So the timeline would be if you can turn level 10 before that, June 15th after your sophomore year, of course, you're going to have a season under your belt. College coaches are going to see your scores. Um, They're going to start reaching out to you if you're at their level, Mm -hmm. June 15th after the sophomore year. And then nothing gets, you know, then they start just building a relationship where they can talk to you your Mm -hmm. junior year. The early schools will start their um, offers Mm -hmm. the fall of the junior year, or maybe June 15th, some of those schools come right out of the gate um, with offers on the phone. Um, But usually they want the athlete to get on campus and you can't do that till August one of your junior year. So that's kind of nice now. So it's really happening more in the junior year. Now, if you're not going to be a level 10 until your junior year or senior year, there's Mm -hmm. still lots of opportunities. So that's the timeline. Yeah. I like it. That that's so helpful. And, you know, I, I feel like 
And especially from an Instagram perspective with recruiting, it's so similar, as you know, to being a business owner where you have to put yourself out there, you have to stay visible. And, um, but I think at the same time, what you're saying, like you need to time it right. You know, like I, I see what girls post or don't post or like how they're tagging coaches and, um, yeah, it's kind of this seems like a very frantic kind of FOMO yes. versus like a very well thought out, like what are schools that align with what I'm looking for and align with where, you know, I'm at right now. And, you know, I love that the timeline has extended. I mean, oh my gosh, like recruiting in eighth grade, that's crazy, right? Like so much can happen between then and when this kid really ends up on campus. But even so, I mean, I have seen some gymnasts just absolutely blossom you know, junior and senior year, especially, you know, a lot of these younger high level athletes where they have, you know, some of their first major injuries, like eighth grade, ninth grade, freshman, Mm -hmm. you know, sophomore year. So what's kind of, what's your thought process there? I mean, obviously we can only do so much from a nutrition perspective, even if we, you know, starting at level five or six, make sure that a parent is fueling their gymnast adequately and they're growing and developing, which is a sign of adequate fueling. I mean, accidents still happen, you know, or overuse injuries that are just related to too many numbers and too much of the same movement patterns, like that stuff still happens. Mm -hmm. So what do you tell gymnasts, you know, when they're injured, especially when it seems, you know, at really crucial times to where they're wanting to reach out to coaches, like everything was going well. And now it's like, oh gosh, we're not even going to be competing this season. Yeah. It can be devastating. That first, you know, few days it's shock. You know, the Mm -hmm. kids just need to grieve and get through that shock period. And then after that, I tell them, look, we have a whole PDF on this, but, um, you know, injuries are speed bumps. They're not roadblocks Mm -hmm. usually. So, and the beauty is way back when I tore my MCL, um, you know, they didn't have a repair. The repair process was very iffy and Mm. of the MCL. And now it's like they go in, they scope, and these athletes are back under a year, Mm -hmm. if less. It's amazing. So I never see injuries really as a big deal. I mean, I know it is to the athlete because I've been there. I know what that's like. It's devastating. But once you get through that period, it's go time. Mm-hmm. And everything you're showing the coach from that point on shows um, them a lot more about who you are and your integrity and your work ethic. So all of your PT and all of your comeback and how you're communicating that can really impact your recruiting in a great way. So, and they're having injuries. They understand on their mm-hmm. own teams. So they don't get all, you know, ups- worried about it either. You know, they just see it as, Okay. Let's see how you come back. Let's see your attitude. And so that's the perspective we take um, as well. Yeah, I get, you know, I get a lot of, of level 10s who are in the middle of their recruiting journey, you know, that kind of freshman, sophomore year. And all of a sudden, like they have a back fracture or a tibia fracture or some sort of definitely, you know, under fueling overuse injury that's kind of caught up with them. And you know, while for a lot of them, I'm like, oh gosh, I wish I had known you at 12, you know, when we hopefully could have prevented some of this, at least it's like, okay, like this is the present, it's the here and now. So let's do everything we can to optimize your nutrition to keep you healthy. And that's, you know, something that's so cool for me to watch is those gymnasts who have the major injuries, like eighth grade, ninth grade, um, even sophomore year, and they kind of go through our program, we close the recovery gap, we get them fueled and 
then not only can they stay healthy, but then they're working upgrades. You know, they're actually really getting to improve their performance and just make themselves, you know, an even more valuable asset to a potential team and kind of using that to set themselves apart. And I don't know, I feel like that's just the name of the game, right? Like all these gymnasts, they have the work ethic, they have the coaching, they have the skills. And it's like, at this point, we just got to keep them healthy and happy to kind of give them the opportunity to show that off. Yeah, I think what I keep thinking of for the mom in, you know, I'm a mother of three and a a grandma of five now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of our grandchildren is a gymnast. She's six. So it's like, oh my gosh, she picked gymnastics, you know. (laughs) Um, But I I feel for moms today and dads because um, they are expected sometimes to manage this nutrition piece and they're expected to manage the recruiting unless they know that there are advisors out there or specialists. Mm -hmm. My, I look back on my own mother and, you know, her nutrition base was, became mine and nutrition really has evolved as well as Mm -hmm. recruiting too. And we just didn't have it. Well, I, I went to a nutritionist. I remember as an elite gymnast, but it was not connected well to, to the sport. And it was in fact made it worse for me. So um, I'm just so thankful that part of technology today is really um, now handing families, these advisors and people who are specialists Mm -hmm. who can help these families walk through these really important pieces. And I think when they're young as a parent, you see them as little super supermans because their bodies just respond so quickly and get better so fast. And you don't see a ton of injuries, but I think you're right. I think in nutrition that those years when they go through puberty and stuff and things start to happen, you start to feel like, wait a minute, we need to really look at this and see the pattern. And I know as a college coach, there are many nutritionists now that are hired by the universities Mm -hmm. full-time working with athletes um, to be preventative. And um, so that's my encouragement too, is, you know, families to really take, even if it's just a couple uh, sessions with a specialist in whatever area your athlete needs, whether it's mental health, nutrition, recruiting, um, whatever area that they are showing signs of struggle, give them those tools. Cause that's really what we're all about is just providing education and the tools so that it takes those bricks off their shoulders so mm-hmm. that you as a parent don't have bricks and your athletes don't either. I mean, there's no perfect way to do anything in life, but right. I think to having tools really take that stress volume down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you guys can relate, you know, like us, most of our parents, when they start working with us, they're like, oh my gosh, like, why did I not know this? Like, why did no one tell me this? You know, and my heart just breaks because I'm like, I mean, you know, I'm doing everything I can. You guys do everything you can. You know, we all have tons of free content and blogs and podcasts. Like we're trying to do everything we can. And, you know, thanks to social media and kind of the virtual world we live in today, there is a lot of um, kind of accessibility from that standpoint. But there's still, you know, families that just don't, they don't get the access to it. And that to me is, is really tragic. I mean, it's similar to my own experience as a gymnast. Like I fell short of my own college goals because of injuries Mm -hmm. and struggles with food and body. And, um, if I had known, 
you know, now what I knew and, you know, things would have been different. And I just want to prevent that from, from other gymnasts, you know, struggling. Um, given that you, you know, were a college coach, obviously a former gymnast, and obviously now you help gymnasts try to reach their goals. I want to talk about kind of the elephant in the room here. And I have a lot of coach or not coaches, but I have a lot of parents who, you know, their, their daughters are, um, you know, young, high level gymnasts, they're level nine, level 10 by a really young age. And, mm-hmm. Uh, like we said, like everything seems fine. Like they're teeny tiny little powerhouses that it's like nothing can touch them and they're just progressing and they pick up the skills and they're winning everything. And then either an injury happens or a growth spurt happens and their body goes through puberty, which should have been, you know, a a several year process that was really gradual. I mean, it happens almost overnight. Like we've seen the gymnasts where they grow three or four inches and gain 10, 15, 20 pounds in the summer that, you know, as I tell parents, like this is perfectly normal. Um, it just happened a lot faster than, than it usually does because of the years and years of under fueling and suppressed growth. And oftentimes we get parents that reach out to us when this situation happens, because all of a sudden, you know, their gymnast is struggling. Their gymnast is in a completely different body and their mechanics have changed. You know, everything feels different. And unfortunately, sometimes coaches, um, you know, say things like, well, you know, you need to slim down, you need to lose weight, like you need to lose five or 10 pounds. And, you know, you'll, you'll tumble better, and you'll block faster, and so on and so forth, when it's really like, no, we all go from point A to point B, like we need time. I mean, it can take months for your strength and the nervous system and everything to adapt to this kind of post pubescent body. Um, but sometimes in these conversations, parents will also bring up like, you know, what about recruiting? You know, like if college coaches see them like this, you know, are they going to write them off and and put them off their list because they think that they weigh too much or they, you know, don't fit that aesthetic. And, you know, for me, and as a, as a business, we keep it focused on performance because, you know, working with adolescent gymnasts who are going through so many changes, um, that's just nature. Like that's just what happens to all of us. And there is so much strength and power on the other side of puberty, if we can fuel through it. Uh, but my heart breaks, my heart breaks when these parents are so worried that, you know, their gymnast isn't going to be scored well, or the college coasters are going to write them off because all of a sudden, like they're not that teeny tiny little 12 year old anymore. So what do you, what do you say to that? How do you help families who are yeah. trying to navigate and what's the, what's the truth, you know, because I, mean, I can say as a know. judge, like there's no deductions mm-hmm. for that, but Yeah, I mean, a college coach, it's their job to find the best athlete. So that means um, (coughs) strong. They have to be strong. They have to be able to do the skills. Mm -hmm. So if their fitness level is holding them back from that, they're they're gonna it's gonna put a question mark. Sure. I mean, it has to. Yeah. And it's a visual sport, right? So it's a performance sport. So it is a responsibility of the athlete. So if your body is going through a change or you don't fit the narrative of what you have seen um, visually, I think number one, we have to get over the fact that the beautiful thing is we've come so far. So when I was a gymnast, Mm -hmm. um, Nadia Komenich and Olga Corbett and those girls who were not ever hitting puberty, their bodies, they might've been um, 14 I don't remember how old those girls were, but they looked like they were 10 or 12, right? 
that was my visual comparable as an elite gymnast was, right. were just those girls, right? Yeah. So there really wasn't, college gymnastics wasn't really a big deal then. So I had no, like, nobody I could look up to that way. So when my body went through a change, um, I figured if you didn't look like those sort of um, malnutrition, maybe body types, then you were pretty much put out to pasture. (laughs) Now, the beautiful thing is, and I'll never forget, trying to remember her name at Utah. She was elite above younger than me. She went to Utah and then she competed her first year, but she was probably, I don't know, 20 to 30 pounds softer, bigger than she was as an elite gymnast. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, she, you know, she got a nutritionist. And the next year when she came to Utah, oh, Missy Marlowe, mm-hmm. her body was transformed. And we started seeing that where girls, we're starting to be allowed to go through puberty and their body would be the same height. Maybe, maybe not, maybe even taller, but they didn't have that little girl body, but they had the mature girl body that now was lean and cut and, Mm -hmm. but in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And so that started changing. I think recruiting for girls, you know, visually one, um, college coaches were starting to see, wow, if we hire the right uh, weightlifting coach, nutritionist, these girls can go through puberty and not be girls without, you know, regular body types, but instead stronger than ever mm-hmm. because they are balanced. Mm-hmm. Their hormones are regulated fine. Mm-hmm. They're not going to look like a little girl. They're going to look like this beautiful college gymnast. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter. Tall, short, short legs, long legs, hips, Mm -hmm. no hips. If you're eating right, I believe, and you are lifting properly with the right conditioning coaches and you are, you know, fit, I would say, um, aerobically, Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. You're going to look, you're just, you're going to look great. And you see it right now. You see it. If you watch college Mm -hmm. meets, they look beautiful and their strength sometimes is greater than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. You know, their leaps look great. Their dance, they're out there performing. They're happy. So it, it, in the last 20 years, it has really evolved and changed. And the college coaches, yeah, if you're going through recruiting and you're going through puberty and you haven't figured this part out and you look like your strength isn't there, mm-hmm. you're not keeping up with your D skills and sometimes E skills because of whatever piece is missing, you're not, it's going to impact recruiting. Mm-hmm. It's going to. I'm not going to say they're going to hope that you just get this all together when you get there. Right. They're going to expect that you stay on top of this. Yeah. And I don't. I know a lot of JH girls that hire, um, you know, who can. I know it's expensive, right. but trainers, nutritionists, yeah. when they go through that period and they just, it's amazing mm-hmm. how their bodies just transform into this beautiful gymnast. Yeah, changed, but you know, their strength is stronger than ever. Right. So I feel like it's evolved to a good place where we're coming through some of those dark periods of time where it was hidden. Mm-hmm. I remember I hid food from my parents. Mm-hmm. They, 
my siblings all laughed at me. They would find ice cream bowls underneath sinks. And like, I was, um, you know, really struggling with mm-hmm. overeating and, um, just my stress was all about that. And so it caused so much damage, you know, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until college where we started hiring nutritionists for our teams. And I started even learning along with the girls at that period of time. And then we turned over that whole topic to the trainers. Mm -hmm. So they actually kind of almost mandated that. So college coaches no longer weigh the girls in. I mean, that's like ancient. Right. And talk about numbers. We don't do that in college anymore. Um, you know, if a girl is struggling, they're spending all this time with a with specialists. Mm-hmm. They come to the gym, they do their thing, but then they go and they spend time with the specialist. So, mm-hmm. and then you just watch them transform. It's yeah. really neat how it's evolved. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, I think for any parent listening that, you know, their daughter is, is going through this and her body's changing. Like you said, I mean, the, the best thing that you can do is invest in nutrition, make sure she's fueling her body so that her body has the building blocks to not only repair and recover from her current training, but to adapt to her skills. And then all the time I refer gymnasts to often physical therapists who are also strength coaches, especially when we've had an injury because they can, you know, rehab them through the injury, but then also help them, you know, get that strength and power that, that they're just, they've lost just because their body's changed. And Mm -hmm. Like you say, I mean, they do amazing. And for me, it's kind of like if we work with dietitians and we work with strength coaches and we work with sports psychologists in college, and if you want to be there at that level, like that's something that we can step into right now. Like why, why wait? If they think that those things are valuable, starting that now will only, um, you know, further improve your gymnast chances. And like you said, I mean, let's be honest, like none of this is free and this sport is expensive, but mm-hmm. you know, scholarship is, that's a lot of money that your gymnast, you know, has essentially, you know, earned or saved you from having to pay for college or there's academic scholarships. or there's kind of other options there that investing now could potentially, you know, pave the way for, for some additional opportunities. So I love it. I, I think that things are changing for the better. I mean, you know, the average age of the gymnast at Tokyo Olympics was 20 which I think is, you know, amazing. We're seeing collegiate gymnasts, you know, stay on national team and compete, which is incredible to me. Um, and I, I hope that that helps to take some of the pressure off parents and gymnasts of like, oh my gosh, we have to have all of it by 12. Because like you said, there, there is a timeline to a certain degree, just in the, the sense that, you know, college coaches can talk to you at this point and official visits tend to happen at this point and they start to give scholarships out at this point. But Um, Again, I think proactivity with learning about recruiting, supporting them mentally, making sure they're getting the nutrition um, is is huge. And, you know, a big part of our our mission is to help gymnasts have a healthy relationship with food in their body, because that's what I see get in the way of performance with my like level 10 and elites. Like it's when they've gone through puberty, their body's changed and you know, they have so much on their plates. They aren't sleeping enough because they're up at, you know, midnight or 1am trying to finish their homework. They're trying to navigate relationships and and school and, you know, junior year, we're taking um, college entrance exams. And there's just so much that they're trying to deal with that um, often maybe they're just not aware of nutrition, but it's kind of a, 
a last thought that can really keep them, keep them stuck and struggling. Mm -hmm. So um, tell us what it's like for like college coaches, like their view of gymnasts who work with dietitians, because I know sometimes parents, like we never, um, I don't ever say anything about who I'm working with or like repost a gymnast Instagram, unless like they have given me explicit permission. Cause obviously HIPAA, um, and you know, some families are like, Oh yeah, like, you know, we'd love for you to reshare her stuff. Like there's a lot of college coaches that follow us and, and send us really nice notes of, Oh my gosh, thanks for what you're doing. Like, you know, they are seeing the the change in culture and love, love their potential athletes getting supported before they even land on campus. But there's also parents who are worried, like they worry that if someone knows that their gymnast is working with a sports dietitian, that everyone's just going to assume like, oh, she has an eating disorder or she has a weight yeah. problem. So what are your thoughts from, from a, a coach side of it? You know, what is your viewpoint of seeing a gymnast work with uh, a sports dietitian? Oh, it's all about how you communicate it. Mm-hmm. So I always give JH girls few ways to uh, examples of how they mm-hmm. can say it in their emails, because I think it can be a really positive thing for a mm-hmm. college coach to know that, um, you know, you are getting education and you are prepping before you even get to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all in how you say it. Now, if Let's just be honest. If you're a gymnast and you look like visually you have maybe an eating disorder of some sort mm-hmm. and you're weak or you're too thin or those kind of things, then no matter how you word it, they're going to be red flags. So sure. you, you have to, you know, if you look strong and you are doing the skills they need and you want to say, oh my gosh, in one of your emails, I wanted to share with you what I'm learning about nutrition and this is how it's impacted me. And I can't believe how much it's helped my floor routine, for example, or, um, you know, that's a a really upside for a college coach because they know a percentage of their recruits are going to walk in that door and have eating issues Mm -hmm. once they get there because their bodies are going to now start changing their freshman year. So for an athlete to say, you know what, my body started changing and my junior year. And so this is what I'm doing. And I mean, I have one athlete that did that and we talked about how to write it and how to put it in there. And I mean, she's the strongest she's ever been and she's headed off to college in the fall and she did get a scholarship and she's not the little tiny gymnast, you know, she, she grew her, she went through puberty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her body did change, but what she did was she got on board with it. Mm Mm-hmm. She didn't see it as a negative. She saw it as, okay, what do I need to do? I need to be the strongest I can be. So she asked me, I told her, and, you know, she got help and that's what she did. And, and, um, she communicated it. Um, so nothing should be hidden from a college coach, Mm -hmm. nothing. And it's all in how you communicate. And so the key factor is communication. Mm-hmm. And college coaches love when girls are open and honest mm-hmm. and they can't be in denial. They can't act like it's no big deal. I, I'm out of shape, but I'm going to, you know, whine and complain about it or, you know, it's all in how you approach it. Even with the injuries, you know, a lot of girls want to hide those. And I'm like, no, be honest, get it out there. Say, I mean, they're going to see you can't post your gymnastics right now. So you, they're going to think you quit gymnastics. Right. So talk about it and get on board with it. And once you get over the grieving, 
I mean, I, mm-hmm. I get it. It takes a few weeks. It's so hard to have all of a sudden your career just like come to a halt Hold. and you have all these fears, but we give them our JH girls this, <laughs> you know, this list of 11 things they can be doing when they're injured. Yeah. So they think they're done. Like, okay, I can do nothing now. Right. And it's like, nope, here's your 11 things. Yep. You know? And so they're like, Oh, okay. Gymnasts like a plan. Yes. They like structure. They like a to-do list. So that's what we came up with at JH Consulting. So that, you know, and one of them is communicate. Mm-hmm. Tell these coaches, put it out there. Show them your PT. Show them what you're doing. You know, show them how strong you're going to get. So, yeah, I love it. And I, I think you bring up a really good point about when a number of, you know, freshman gymnasts get to campus, I, I watch them implode. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it is, like you said, either they've been under fueling for so long and and that coupled with, you know, 30 plus hours a week, like a lot more than they will do collegiately. Um, they do go through puberty at 17 or 18 years old. And it can be devastating because all of a sudden, like they were this standout recruit. And yet over the summer, over that first semester with them trying to navigate life on their own and fueling themselves without mom or dad's support and the teammates and relationships and new coaches. And, you know, for me, that can be devastating because it's like here you were expected to to make lineups and to contribute and be this rock star gymnast. And it's like, oh my gosh, you aren't you aren't who we recruited, which as you said, like we watch many get it figured out freshman year and then sophomore year they come back in and they are stronger and they're leaner and they have figured out how to fuel themselves and how to navigate everything. But mm-hmm. I view part of my role as helping to prevent that of you know, Hey mom and dad, like we can't micromanage them with nutrition, especially when they have their license, when they, you know, are making their own choices. Like if we over restrict the sweets and treats or just have really strict rules about what they can't and can't eat, we're honestly just setting them up for, for kind of rebellion, right? Like you tell a kid not to touch the hot stove and what do they do? They, they touch it. And so I think some people view that as maybe being too soft, you know, what I call like the B plus approach to nutrition. But I think it's really important to always fast forward the tape and and kind of ask yourself, is what we're doing right now, even if we think it's in the best interest of the gymnast, is this going to translate to a repeatable behavior that is self-led versus trying to rule them with an iron fist and they either start rebellion, like rebelling then, or when they're really on their own, it's, you know, we're going to do everything that you told me not to do kind of thing. Right. Yep. Do you see that a lot? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say they're, you're going to, I mean, chances are it's 50, 50 when they arrive yeah. that they're, they're now have freedom to mm-hmm. choose their food. Mom and dad have done that somewhat for them just because sure. of time. And so now they, I get to choose and they have all this food in front of them. And the big thing is the, the social part of college and going out late drinking. Mm -hmm. If they do eating late at night, I know, um, drinking wasn't my thing, but I loved just socializing and being people and ordering a pizza. (laughs) My dad was always like, what is Woodstock's? And I'm like, I ordered pizza like every Friday for all my friends, you know, and it was like, I mean, I gained 30 pounds my freshman year and I, once I, it was stress, you know, it was, it was mostly stress and fear. Yeah. And so, um, because the more you think, oh my gosh, my body's changing. 
uh, at least for me, the more I thought about food. Mm-hmm. And then the more I thought about food, the more food became filled up my emotional empty mm-hmm. spot. Mm-hmm. So there was this cycle going on, right? Yeah. And um, quite honestly, I'll just be really honest. When I met my husband-to-be and he loved me unconditionally, he I was 30 pounds bigger and um, I was always thinking people were thinking I was big. I was bigger. I was bigger. You know, that was going through my mind. What are people thinking about me? And then when I started dating him and he didn't do that, he was like, Hey, let's go eat. Hey, you like that? Great. I'll order it. And I was like sitting there in a panic. Like I want that. I want that. But it was like, I don't want to be bigger and I'm getting bigger. And it was just like this Mm -hmm. constant like stress. And then he was always looking at me like, you are fine. Like just calm down, you know, like sort of. And so when I felt that unconditional um, love from him as a boyfriend, and then eventually, you know, we ended up, and he's a sports psychologist, but, you know, it. It, I, I stopped thinking about food, and yeah. I stopped trying to fill up that cup with, with um, food, and I lost that 30 pounds. I've never gained it back. It's mm-hmm. like, it was totally um, all wrapped up in the body image thing and changing and so I always shared that with my girls who were going through it as athletes and said, I've been there. I know what you're going through. And um, it never really worked to say to them, you need to, how can I help you? You need to, um, I mean, I'd never say lose weight. It was always right. more, would you like to be stronger? Would you like yeah. to be more fit is the word I would use. And they would cry. And what I knew was their heart was just breaking because they were going through that same kind of chaos that I did. Yeah. Maybe a little different, but similar, right? Yeah. And if they didn't want it, if they didn't really want to change, because it's work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to set up your appointments with people to help you. You need accountability. Um, You've got to go, okay, if I go and do this or that on Friday night, I'm going to pay for it at practice on Saturday. Right. And I can't be with you at every event and say, you know, don't do it. Don't do it. Come with me or whatever. Right. They have to kind of want it. And when they want it, it's lights out. No problem. I'm telling you, it's like their whole, you know, everything transformed. Definitely. So you really, it's hard as a college coach mm-hmm. because you, you have to be hands off. Right. And if they don't want it and you see them going down this path where they're getting weaker and weaker and struggling and then getting injured. Um, you know, you pretty much, you There's know, so much that you can do. Yeah. You can't really say anything anymore. And I, I think that's the right thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't yeah. want college coaches in that role. It's, they're not, that's not their expertise. Right. Yeah. But they, they're paying you to perform. <laughs> so it's, it's a killer it's for messy. the coach. Yeah. It is so messy. I, I think it's such an upside if your body goes through puberty before college and you get help and you show this coach, look, I did go through this and now I'm stronger than I've ever been. They're going to be like, I want her yes. <laughs> you know, like, yes. because they know they're not going to have to deal completely with that. Um, what I Craziness. call hands off, you know, and have to just uh, hope and cross your fingers that they choose to get better. So yes. that I agree. Mm-hmm. And no. the reality is, you know, puberty should be happening at 12, 13, mm-hmm. 
years old, like, you know, even when gymnasts get their periods and they, you know, their bodies change initially, I always call it like puberty part two at maybe 15, 16, 17, where if you look at a growth chart, like the height curve continues, the weight curve continues, like we're not finished, but the changes shouldn't be super drastic. And at that point, like we may see their weight increase, but it's, it's muscle, which is where like, I don't care what you weigh, like it's about body composition. And I think a lot of parents don't understand that. Like all they know is a number and they have their own reference and their own lived experiences. And they will compare like, Oh, well I'm, you know, five, four and my gymnast is five, four and she weighs 15 more pounds than I do. Like she must be fat. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Like she wears smaller clothes than you do because, you know, muscle and fat both weigh the same, but muscle is more dense and it just takes up less space. So yeah, I'm all about it from like just the struggles of going through puberty freshman year when you're on your own. And it's, it's a business. Like these college coaches are expecting a return on their investment and they're expecting you to perform as they recruited you. But even before you get there, you know, I tell parents, look, like I would rather your kid go through puberty in level nine, where we're not doing as big of skills. There isn't as much pressure. Like if they have a level nine season where they just grew a bunch over the summer and they're just trying to figure it out, like better than, than like the level 10 season where they're hoping to make it to nationals and it really matters. So I think all the changes are, are good. And I think this awareness that like body change is normal and we need to welcome it and adapt. Like you said, like we can get mad at it and we can try to you know, starve girls and beat them over the heads and tell them to lose weight, or we can help them get the right tools and keep it focused on performance. And like you said, I think that that psychological piece is huge. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, that was it for me. I mean, all I knew was when you're told and you're weighed by your club coach back then, yeah. and you're told you're too big when you are really a um, hundred pounds, right. let's say, which I was before I hit puberty. Um, then when you do hit puberty, yeah. you can't connect the dots properly mentally because no. you've been told this other thing. So now you're really in trouble and you really hate yourself. Yeah. And I, I can remember almost to the day when we used to do ballet for an hour before mm-hmm. um, practice mm-hmm. as a team. And, um, I can, I have this whole visual of looking in the mirror when my body changed and feeling like um, I didn't fit in anymore to the narrative. And so I was going to be kind of tossed to the side. Decide. Because my coach was very, uh, he had his favorites, right? right? And it was based on your ability to do whatever he wanted. So it would look, he would look good. Yeah. So when your body changed and you were looking in the mirror, it was so hard mentally to pull yourself out of that, get your assignments as an elite gymnast and go do them and still try to achieve. Cause part of it's like, he believes in me. Right. And then you're like, I'm sure he doesn't anymore because look at me. I'm not a hundred pounds. I'm 110 pounds now. Right. It's like, so then when you hit puberty, you're like, I'm just washed up here, you yeah. know, and then you go to college and it's like, I'm going to do whatever I want. I've been told all these bad things. So now yeah. I'm just gonna, you know, yeah. and it's like, you can just see the game your mind plays and that's really what it is. So a therapist, I think mentally is really a big part and getting that out and seeing the truth of it. Um, And then um, you can really deal with it so much better. 
Um, but when you yeah. stuff it and it's right under the surface, mm-hmm. and then you're going to the gym and you're not eating because you're all the things. And then you get these injuries that are now going to take you out for a long period of time that you have to deal with your whole life. Really? It's not worth it. it it's way better to understand some of this and get help even before college with your parents' support, if mm-hmm. you can, you know, so you're going into college with all these tools that, yeah. you know, so it's a big part of recruiting. Yeah. I can tell you that I'm not going to lie. I mean, yeah. Coaches are constantly looking out there and going, okay, how's this going to look in a year or two years when yeah. she actually arrives? Right. You know, she going to be so, healthy. Are we going to be injured? Yeah. All the things. Mm-hmm. So take responsibility. That's my big thing. Giving these girls a voice, take responsibility. If it starts with talking to a parent, if it starts with, you know, opening the door of conversation, I'm not feeling confident. I don't feel like supported here. I feel like um, confused. Um, you know, parents need to be open. They need to listen to these conversations and not be afraid of them. And then do your best to get the be- you know a little bit of help for the for whether it's the mental, the nutrition, or with the recruiting process. Because I think until I get so many parents at our first session, they just feel, oh my gosh, that was so helpful. We had no idea, and I'm sure yeah. you hear that all the time. Yeah, and it's like we just thought she wasn't going to get recruited because of it. I'm like, no, this is normal. This is okay. We can deal with this, you know? So half of it's the unknown and the fear in all these areas. Right. Yes. And I, I think, you know, like holding the space, you know, I've seen, I mean, I've had like former elites that go to college that, you know, they've been dieted their whole career because at nine years old, they were told that they were fat because they just didn't have a certain body type. And, you know, they'll, they'll hire us because they are struggling. Like they've had injuries and they're slow and they're not performing and their coaches aren't happy and they're not making lineups. And for me, it's, it's one of the toughest parts of my job when it's, you know, they are under fueling or they just have a lot of, you know, dysregulation and kind of a dysfunctional relationship with food, which is then getting into kind of some weight dysregulation and body comp issues. And for a lot of them, I have to just hold this face and say, look, like your body's not happy. And I, I don't put gymnasts on diets, but even if I did, this is not the time, like it wouldn't help. It would only increase your stress levels. It would only increase your restricting your binging, like whatever's going on. And so we need to get a consistent baseline and fuel you and work on your relationship with food and then keep it focused on performance, you know, of getting stronger, getting better. And I'll tell you, I've got gymnasts that they are doing skills in college that they have not done since junior elite that they thought they would never be able to do again because they finally are fueling their bodies. Mm -hmm. And even when their bodies don't, you know, they may change a little bit visually, but to be honest, it's just finally getting strong and getting healthy and having well, the energy. I think, yeah, uh, such a beautiful two examples are Simone and Jordan Childs right now. Yes. And you look at the, those two, if you're just looking at the elite people, but there's right. some level nines and tens that are great examples. I have so many at JH Girls. But you look at, you know, Jordan and you look at Simone and what she did, and they weren't the typical body type that way back when. So, you know, I, I think, um, we've come so far and I think girls, if I can share anything and parents out there, it's, 
it's not about your body type. Yeah. It's not. It's all these other pieces that um that matter most that are going to make your athlete the strongest, the most confident and finding the right fit for them. And this is a topic that needs to be talked about when you're on the recruiting trip. You need to say, "Do you guys have a nutritionist?" Do you, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time some of the times it will come up because it's right. no big deal now. It's like, yeah, of course we do. We love our girls going to nutritionists and then they'll talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. It's an open door. It's not a negative. So you need to be, look, if they don't bring it up, you need to get online and find out about it and talk to the coach before you say yes, because it should be a piece of your pie in finding the right fit are all these areas. So a lot of the bigger schools now have a performance center. You just walk in and there's the sports psych and the nutritionist. And some girls don't want to go to one on campus. They want it separate. And I totally get that. So that can be available too. But I just want to encourage all families out there to do some research on it before you even go on your visits. And then don't be afraid to ask and talk about it and even set an appointment up to go meet them. Sometimes they'll do that. So it's, it's a lot different than it yeah. used to be. Gone are the days of if you get sent to the nutrition, it's, it's because yeah. someone thinks you're fat, you know, yeah. like it's, and that's how we view it. I mean, any of my colleagues, like, we're like, oh my gosh, please let us help you take a preventive approach here and teach yes. you what you need to learn and help you navigate. You know, they are at most of the schools, they have awesome resources that can help them navigate the dining halls and the training tables and their schedules and and it's amazing. So with that, I am so happy that you have joined us today. I feel like there are so many nuggets of wisdom in this mm-hmm. episode that I am so excited for parents um, and coaches and gymnasts to listen to. Um, we'll put a link to your website in the show notes. So um, if you guys are not already working with a recruiter, if your gymnast has big goals and dreams, um, you know, it doesn't hurt. I know you guys schedule, you have your awesome like JH special twice a year, which is like a Mm -hmm. one hour consult that I refer parents that all the time of like, Hey, just, just sit down and have the initial call so that you can get an idea of what you know and what you don't know. And you just started your new membership and your podcast, like, like us, you know, you are trying to put all of it out there and give people the tools and, and different levels of support that they're looking for that they can kind of step into uh, across their journey. And I think it's so, it's so valuable because I can say for myself, like, obviously my job is a dietitian, um, but when I work with gymnasts, I'll ask them like, okay, where are you? Like, where are you in your recruiting journey? Are you working with someone? And when I hear, you know, a a junior or a, you know, often a junior, like, oh yeah, like we're emailing schools. And I'm like, oh God, like, (laughs) I mean, maybe that will work for you, but unless your coaches really know what, that, what, what's up and how it works and they're supporting you. Um, you know, I hate to see when they have improved so much, but like we've missed the boat with what we needed to know and be on top of in in terms of recruiting. And I feel like it, while it's not as early as it used to be, it hits a lot earlier. And I'm sure you get a lot of parents where they realize like, oh gosh, like we maybe should have reached out a year ago. Oh yeah. Get that all the time. Yeah. And that's what I want to prevent. So go check her out. She has so much information out there. You can contact her, her team of advisors. And thanks for joining me. Thank you for all you do, Christina, too. I can really see that you care about girls and that, you know, you're coming from a place of just really wanting them to be their best, their best that they can be. And 
It's healthy, not- happy. Yes. I tell them all the time, like, I want you to call the shots in terms of when you're finished and, and not your body. Um, and some of that we can't help, right? Some injuries do happen, but in terms of recruiting and the timeline and knowing what you need to know that the tools are out there. So great. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. And I will see you guys on another episode next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast sponsored by the Balanced Gymnast Method course. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on any episodes. You can find any links that we mentioned in the show notes of the episode and also how you can work with us. If you're looking to learn to fuel your gymnast for optimal performance without the stress or overwhelm, feel free to email us. If you have any questions, you can reach us at support at christinaandersonrdn.com, share what's going on and we'll get back to you. Or you can learn more about our programs by going to our website, christinaandersonrdn.com slash work with us. Bye for now.